Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm pretty well. Kickstart to day late. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, things happen. People kickstart get busy. For, yeah, kickstart for Tuesday the 7th. Damn it. Yeah, sure. It's like Monday the 6th, only a day later. Yeah. <laughs> because Actually, it was a twofer problem. My schedule didn't coordinate with your schedule. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, uh, again, I mean, I had to work. So, uh, and I had to work when you weren't <laughs> my free morning turned into your free afternoon and they just didn't, they didn't hook up together. Like your afternoon wasn't free. My morning wasn't free suddenly. So, yep. uh, yeah. So here we are. It's Tuesday, Tuesday. <laughs> oh shit. Well, you know what? I still might get this out on time. I still might get this out before hell, maybe before East coast midnight. So you might yeah. even be hearing this before midnight. Yeah, it's only six o'clock where you're at. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know how we are about, about award shows and the Grammys were yesterday. And uh, yeah, say my name, say my name. Yeah, but sorry, they didn't say her name as much as people wanted to have. No, but uh, apparently she's the all time winningest Grammy artist in the history of the Grammys. Yeah. Um, if there was something that uh, there, there was some drama because, you know, there's always drama. And say I, my name, say my name. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was stuck I, I, in my I, head all day yesterday I, for some reason. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but there's some, you know, I understand. I understand why people would say that, but it's also the exact reason why I say fuck award shows. Because especially when it comes to music, I've always found music to be very, and people talk about guilty pleasures. We even mentioned guilty pleasures in the episode, movie episode that we have coming out this week. And that's fine. You know, to me, guilty pleasures do exist in the world of television and movies. But when it comes to music, either fucking moves you or it fucking doesn't. Yep. And I don't feel that there's a guilty pleasure involved in any kind of music. And even though um, I, I listen to a lot of things that you don't, you know, people would be surprised at some of the stuff that you listen to. Because just if it works for you, then it just fucking works for you. Yeah. And that's that's how I feel about music. Like, I don't. I have like for, for like for people that were for song of the year, album of the year, people lost their shit. Cause by the way, okay, I'm going to mention one thing. Bonnie Raitt won for song of the year and no one was more surprised than Bonnie Raitt, you know, cut <laughs> the 73 year old Bonnie Raitt in the crowd when they open up the envelope and say her name, say her name, say her name. <laughs> it's Bonnie Raitt. Everybody was like, what the fuck? Okay. Well, I don't care about award shows, but, this is going to cause some problems. And I knew it. And it was sure enough that people lost their shit about it. I'm like, get over yourself. But then uh, something else happened later on that kind of gave them something else to be up, uptight and angry about. <laughs> you know, I feel like a lot of people just want to be uptight and angry about everything. So it, yeah. it doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I I didn't even know that Bonnie Raitt had a song out last year. Yeah, she and I didn't know it, she had an album out either. I, I always found like the Grammys... In the past, when I actually paid attention and I gave a shit before they stopped, you know, started being just as much as the Billboard Award show or is about the sales more than anything. You used to hear about certain artists, like, uh, I'm not, I'm only even specific, but you'd hear about artists like, shit, I didn't know they had even put a new record out. Like the year that Bob Dylan won, you know, I knew yeah. he was still recording, but I didn't realize the album was that prominent and was that well listened to by, well, anybody, honestly. I mean, you should, when you have an established artist like that, they always have big followings. Their records always sell, but maybe not as much as they were in their heyday. Right. But they're able to still stay afloat and keep working and continue their careers. But I had no idea Bonnie Raitt put out an entire 
brand new record. And, no, God, no. And, and it shows you how little I pay attention to the Grammys and the nominations because until I heard her name said last night while somebody else was watching it at work, I had no idea she was even nominated because, again, I don't care. Right. Well, it's weird. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip my, I'm going to, you know how much I love music. And I'm going to tell you the last song of the year winner I remember. Are you ready? Okay. Ride like the wind <laughs> to be free Jeez. again. Yeah. So when was that? Like I, what were like 11 years old? Yeah. Christopher yeah, Cross. Wins like 80, for- <laughs> right? 80. <laughs> I guess. 81. 81. Yeah. Yeah. Because bef- the other Grammy moment I always will have remembered in my mind is John Lennon winning for double fantasy. Yeah. Posthumously. So that yeah. was 1980 and I was 10, nine or 10. I, I, it's, it's something I've just never really paid attention to, but it doesn't mean I don't love music. And I, I, but I just, I never really paid attention to the Grammys and I, I don't even know how many, I don't even know what the all time winning is number would be for Grammys. Is it, it's like three. It, it was said in articles, but again, I don't, I haven't cared enough to look. Yeah. I, I just saw it. It was, it came up in a news feed on like, you know, I was like, Oh, okay, great. The Grammys were last night. Oh, I didn't even realize it, but. And they announced it too. Like when she won that, that, that one award. Cause I don't even think it was the fourth one. Cause she won four. And I don't think it was Beyonce's fourth one that made her, that, that gave her that record. I think it was one of the, either the second or the third one, but I, I don't understand that whole thing. You know, why people need to get all uptight about it the best alternative album was one by a band called wet leg. And I've mentioned them before because they were supposed to open for churches and Donna missile for the churches show that Joey and I went to see at the palladium year, a little over a year ago. And unfortunately one of them came down with COVID and so they didn't perform. And I was really looking forward to them, but I was happy that they won because if for no other reason, then it's going to find them some more listeners and hopefully some more fans and ad- and people paying money to see them and buying it. Because I'm always going to shoot and try to help the smaller artists get the recognition because, you know, it's you can't survive on record sales anymore. You got to tour and you got to sell merch. It's the only way to make any fucking money in the business yeah. anymore. And, and as much as you want to, you, you can look at something like Taylor Swift or Harry Styles because they can get 150 bucks a pop times 18,000 seats. Or like, or if you're, like I said, if you're Taylor, you're, you're selling out stadiums. You're not selling out arenas. Right. And you're talking about 60,000 per show. And yeah, but she's a machine. You know, she's, I, I'm using those two artists specifically. Um, just because they're the standouts, you know, the weekend can do that. Or, but the, even bands that have been known to be big touring bands, they still got to hook up with other people. Def Leppard and Motley Crue and Poison, they all had to get together just to get people to come out and see them. And then they still weren't selling out. Right. But that's the thing. It's the only way any more people can make any money. And if you're a new artist coming up, fuck, dude, it's hard. Even with the ability to reach more people and have more accessibility to people via, hell, man, if I want to put out a record tomorrow, I just have to follow the stupid forms and end up on Spotify and end up on Apple Music. But I can always put but a lot of the up and coming artists and DJs, anybody else at once that's just kind of becoming new songwriters and developing their voice to use something like SoundCloud or some other service like that. Right. Um, Bandcamp is obviously was as another big one. Bandcamp is that that in between 
uh, SoundCloud and one of the bigger tiers, uh, Spotify's or whatever, is that allows them to sell records, it allows them to sell downloads, it allows them to sell merch. And my friend Brent, who I mentioned on the show before, he's in a couple of bands and they sell all their wares and everything. They're on the big platforms, but you got to support them on Bandcamp. And Wet Leg was one of those artists too. Um, they're on a bigger label now, but not a big label, but a bigger label. But Wet Leg, just like any other artist, like if you want to support them, you got to help get their voices out there for people to recognize it. And you know what? If that's the only way to do it. But you know, there's probably millions of people watching the Grammys last night. And they like, who the fuck is a wet leg? Sure. And hopefully just a nice percentage, 1% of those million people went on Apple Music or Spotify and looked them up and started listening to them. That's the only benefit I can think from award shows is that smaller voice finally be getting some recognition and since, some attention. Since this is vastly becoming a music episode, uh, let me just tell you where I'm going to be Friday night. I know where you're going to be. I am going to be <laughs> at the Fox Theater in Atlanta enjoying John Cougar Mellencamp. I, uh, who I am a longtime fan of. I would say this to anybody who's like, John Mellencamp. Yes, he used to be John Cougar. Yes, that Jack and Diane hurt so good. But there is so much more to John Mellencamp than those early hits. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not shitting on those because all those albums are awesome. American Fool, uh-huh, The Lonesome Jubilee. I mean, they just get, there's a good 10-year run where Mellencamp was all over the radio. And then he kind of switched directions and still was putting out music, but he was putting out music that he wanted to put out, yeah. not necessarily what radio, because he didn't give a shit about any of that. Right. And, uh, you know, outside of being a fantastic songwriter, and I mean, you and I had talked about this before, dude, his album's always well-produced. Yep. You hear the instruments, you hear the drummer, you hear the fiddle player, you hear the accordion. Great engineers, his albums, you listen to them now and the, the, they're still as crunchy and poppy as they're ever, like, they're not overproduced. Right. They're perfectly produced. You know, and he's 71 now and uh, he's been through a lot and I can't wait to fucking see it. I, I'm super excited. And I know you know this because I've been talking about it for a fucking month. <laughs> well, yeah, when, we, when he, our our group chat with Sergio, we were like, I think we were like talking for like on and off for like three hours. Every once in a while, one of us would send a text of like this or that, or like when somebody were stopped doing one, stopped working for a moment to see the other text what somebody else wrote. We talked about him quite a bit throughout that particular day about, because I think you just bought your tickets. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's persevered and to go from being John Cougar and being this guy on MTV, people recognize, and then having to navigate the waters of now being John Cougar Mellencamp. The only reason he kept the Cougar in there is because his people, hell, his record company said, no, you got to keep that in there. You want to add your last name back there? That's fine, but you got to keep that in there. Eventually, got to the point where you just said, "Well, you know what? I'm my own thing now, so I'm not." I'm John Mellencamp. I'm John Mellencamp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's also a very accomplished painter. I mean, if you, I mean, his paintings are quite collectible, and they, and and they're and he's really a good painter. He's an artist. It's funny because I've heard people say, "Oh, he's like Springsteen Light." I, I, that's bullshit, man. Oh, I, I, I would never say he's Springsteen Light. It, it's like apples to oranges, man. They're nothing alike, and yet they're similar. Yep. I, I understand where people would make a comparison, but I would never say something dumb like, you know, John Mellencamp is Springsteen Light. And it's funny because Bruce Springsteen was just here Friday night <laughs> in Atlanta. Yeah. And now this Friday, John Mellencamp is going to be here. So, But I'm expecting it to be a great show. 
the last time I saw Mellencamp, I took my dad to see, it was Mellencamp and John Fogarty touring together. And I want to say it feels like it was 20 years ago. I mean, I'd have to fact check it, but it's, it's been a while. And before that, the last time I saw him was in 87 or 88. So it's the natural progression of time. I was 17 the first time I saw him and now I'm not 17 and, and he was 30, 35, 36, 37 when I saw him. But yeah, man, I mean, it's going to be cool. I'm super excited. Um, it's a great venue, the Fox theater. Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm totally looking forward to it. Don't know if, I don't know. I'm sure there's an open act. Don't know who it is. Doesn't matter to me. You mentioned Bruce. I saw a little blurb because, you know, with him being on tour also that he, uh, his new record, again, I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. Um, it's a cover he, record, right? He, uh, yeah. It's like only, only the strong survive. He's doing more from this than he is. He's doing a lot more from this than he would normally do from a new record. Come on, this guy's right. He's 40 years worth of recording. You know, there's, yeah. there's a point where you, you got to be tired of playing Born <laughs> to Run and fucking, you know, glory days. Right. And he's, and he has, he's known for having, even these days, still having a marathon show three, three and a half hours long. Bruce Springsteen does not have opening access. You're wondering about John Mellencamp. No, he does not. Springsteen doesn't because there's just no way. I mean, John Mellencamp has enough material. He doesn't need to have an opening act exactly. either. Exactly. And if he didn't, I'd be totally fine with it. And I'd just be like, yeah, I could listen to three hours of Mellencamp's stuff because there's enough of it that you'd hear everything you wanted to hear. And then probably not all, not everything you wanted to hear. So yeah, man, it's going to be fun. I'm super excited. It's funny because there's a lot of good music. You'll get a kick out of this because I, I thought about it, but it's on the same night as Mellencamp because I was like, oh, wow, I never saw Arrested Development is playing here. Wow. Also this Friday night. So Wow. But Springsteen and Mellencamp are both coming to LA on this tour. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell for sure about Springsteen, but Mellencamp's going to be here on March 22nd. Yep. At the Dolby, yeah. And he's got the two sold-out shows at the Win at the at the Encore Theater. I don't see anybody noted as being an opening act, but, you know, but yeah, which is good. 30, I mean, 35 years when you don't, you don't need an opening act. You don't, man. <laughs> when you can start your set with, uh, I need a lover who don't drive me crazy, and yeah. you could end somewhere in the mid-90s. But, I mean, look, the, the the last three albums he's put out, like I think since 2015, they are all just mesmerizing records. I mean, it's not unlike the Tom Joad record, all the stuff that Springsteen has done in the last 15 to 20 years. They're albums that probably are mostly fans or, but they're well worth discovering, uh, especially if, if you were ever even a casual fan and you was kind of like, what was John Mellencamp doing now? You should definitely, you know, do some deep diving. I want to go back to the comment about people. I mean, you know, and, and it was a general comment, but I know I've heard it myself about him being Springsteen light or the, the, the Ameri- just because they both have a, what's music considered to be Americana. And Springsteen has done a lot of good for, you know, for charities and raising money, but nobody did what John Mellencamp did. Oh. For the farmers no. with, with Farm Aid. And, and what's so cool about him, this man is so revered by his peers that, yeah, it was more heavy on the country artist side, but he still had rockers come out to the show because he recognized the need that no one's taking care of the farmers because it sure the fuck hasn't been the government ever. Nope. Ever. Absolutely not, man. <laughs> That's why Mellencamp is such a draw for people. Like They have interest in his music just because what's this, this whole farm aid thing? What's this about? Who is this guy about? And a lot of, at that time, he, I mean, he'd already changed his name. So for some people, they didn't know him as Mellencamp. They only knew him as John Cougar. Because if you're kind of half-assing your, your exposure to pop music, you're not going to know that he's changed his name. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just going to rattle out here. Like you want to go back to 20 to 2014. You could start with plain spoken. Then you can roll right into sad clowns and hillbillies in 2017. The other people's stuff in 2018. Lonely street live is a compilation of stuff from 80 from 1984. The good Samaritan tour 2000. Uh, and then his latest album, which came out in 2022, strictly a one eye Jack all worth listening to. Um, I don't know if you're, I mean, I mean, I know you are the Sunday morning conversations with Diane Sawyer, Yeah, but they're all on YouTube. You could look them up. They're Diane Sawyer uh, interviewing John Mellencamp from probably five years ago. So I think it was probably like 2017, 2018, but they're really, really some good interviews. And, and you're, that's where I kind of rediscovered him like, you know, five or six years ago. I remember seeing these things and I was like, fuck man, because I always enjoyed the Lonesome Jubilee. It's a record that I've played into the ground since 1987. Um, I used to drive around with it in my car, in my CD player. I have it on vinyl, but there was a point like, you know, like everything you kind of, as the music falls out of favor and, and life gets, and it doesn't, it's, it doesn't come up in your regular rotation. And then like all things worth find, you find your way back to it. So that's kind of what I've done over the last couple of years, you know, and now I'm going to get to see him again. So, and you know, who knows? It might be the, the last tour. I, I don't know. I'm totally looking forward to the farm aid because farm aid is still going on. Yeah. It's not like you know, he did one or two farm aids back in the eighties and early nineties. And, it, you know, I mean, dude, I mean, I think I want to say it's like an 30th, 30, farm aid 35 or something at this point, which is, it's amazing. Like I mentioned before, the, as it's gone on, you're getting more of a, a mixture of, of not just, you know, recognizable faces, but the genre starts starts spreading out. I would never consider Dave Matthews on the same bill with Willie Nelson or Neil Young. Right. And But, but there, there you, you go. But there you go. <laughs> that's, what, that's what makes Farm Aid so great. It's because all these people from different genres and walks of life, they're all coming together for a common good. You know, what's funny is one of the things, I don't know if you ever do this, but I am kind of, you know, I hate saying guilty pleasure, but a thing I enjoy the shit out of is I, I like going to YouTube and watching these people, you know, reactors react to, you know, and this younger kids they are probably, you know, some, some are in their twenties, some are in their thirties, right. but for them to be going back and like sort of discovering and listening to Jack and Diane for the first time and watching people's reactions. You know, and dude, like Mellencamp gets a lot of play on all these reactors. And it's like, I'm listening to people talk about, like, again, it's a thing. I think we talked about, like, I think we might have talked, touched briefly on this. And I think it's part of the whole premise of what we were talking about. If there was a pill we could take. But can you imagine, like, if you could just listen to Jack and Diane and you're hearing it again now for the first time, what that's like. And it's kind of like that when you watch these people react to these songs and it's like, Sometimes I'm like, come on, you're kidding me. You never heard Jack. And then, but then I'm like, well, they're 26, 25, 26, 30 years old. Maybe they never have, even if they heard it by accident, they, I don't know, but it's kind of entertaining to watch these, but Mellencamp gets a lot of, uh, he's getting a lot of play from like all these reactors, which kind of makes me laugh. Jack and Diane's probably the most recognizable song. hundred percent. That and hurts so good. I would. Yeah. Think. Yeah. But I want to make a notice. You're talking about, you know, younger um, listeners discovering them and watching those react videos and everything. 
you know, I've mentioned this before. There's a great website called whosampled.com. Right. And it'll let you know certain artists where they sampled. And a lot of times you can click on the YouTube video and it's usually like timestamped right when that sample occurs. It's a great website and it's really fun to kind of see like, especially, and I use it all the time, not from the sampling standpoint, but going where I can't quite figure out where I've, or there's a sample in a song and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. And I can usually find the answer here. Jack and Diane has been sampled in 24 songs. Yeah. And probably one of the biggest songs is like, it, I didn't know this. And now that I, it, there's a, there's a remix of Eric B and Rakim where they use Jack and Diane sample in it. Like now I want, <laughs> I want to go back and hear it. There's, they're all over the place And hell. Here's the one that's the, probably the biggest, the biggest song out of all of them. Girl, you know it's true from Millie Vanilli. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's there. It's well established. And I think it's neat for people to go and say, wait, what is this song? And then find it with, and hear the original. And I, I was really surprised at some of the songs that have used that. But yeah, there you go. Those React videos just remind me of the sample website and finding. Yeah. Finding and, and I, I've discovered artists this way. Yes, uh, dude. And I think it's great that like, I know people are like, oh, he's reacting. But I think it's great, dude, for people to be discovering music that, you know, is 20, 30 years old. And, but to them, it's young and it's fresh. And it's like, there's no auto tune and it's the words, the lyrics mean something. And it's just not bullshit. Right. And watching people sort of react to it and, and getting these honest reactions to stuff that they probably, you know. So it's probably like when we were young, I mean, we, we, we kind of did it, but we just didn't post it on video. But like, right. I remember hearing like the stones for the first time or just the way it all came to us. It's, it's just kind of fun and like, you know, refreshing, but it's also Phil Collins is somebody who had a giant resurgence from these reactors. Everybody reacting to that drum solo in the middle of in the air tonight. Right. Right. Yep. Every one of those reactor videos, when you're watching it, you're just waiting for their reaction to that break in the drums to come kicking in and watching people's faces. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. <laughs> in the air tonight, sampled 191 yeah, times. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> insane. And it's not always loops and it's not no. anything else. It's they're, they're sampling his big sounding drums. Yeah. You know, and it's it's one of the reasons why John Bonham from Led Zeppelin is such a heavily sampled drummer they they have a drum sound that is very unique to them right even when you listen to genesis records that that phil yeah, collins plays drums on totally it's more it's very specific but it's not like it is on the solo records it's just big especially on that first record the first oh, record yeah. it is it's just super big I and mean, i remember who was it that was uh it was tom lee from motley Crue saying you know hey there's somebody comment about how quickly they record a record and he's like, oh, why? Because Phil Collins spends two weeks tuning a tom. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there's a good reason for that. That's why <laughs> when you when it came to impeccable recording and sound quality and engineering, you're looking at Steely Dan and you're looking at Genesis. Yeah, and, man. Look, when you hear when you you know Phil, you know Phil Collins drums when you hear him. Yep. 100%. I mean, God damn it, you dude. Can, or you know when he's playing on somebody's yes, album. Yes, 100%. That's what I'm saying. Easy you Lover. You can play the Eric Clapton record or <laughs> Easy Lover with Philip, him and Philip Bailey. Yeah. Or, or, you know, even his, like, 
sort of solo one-off movie songs yep. uh, against all odds, dude. Like, oh my god, the, yeah, no, dude. Like, if there's if there's a person out there who doesn't cry when they hear against all odds, again, I don't want to know. Dude, then the fucking video. If you don't tear up, the video. The yes. vi- but don't watch the video if you've never seen against all odds. Don't, don't watch, watch the video because it, it ruins the movie <laughs> totally. Like again, uh, again, a movie we're gonna have to cover yeah. one day because it, you know, again, I cite that fucker all the time. Yep. Anyway, John Cougar Melon Camp, I'll give you guys a full review uh, on my Melon Camp experience uh, next next kickstart, next Monday. Word. Yeah, man. <laughs> so if you want to follow us on the socials, the show is at Karate Pod on Letterboxd, at Karate Pod on IG, at Karate Pod, or Corey at Culprit97 on IG and Letterboxd at Corey underscore Culp. If you like to follow me, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on. Wow, no! If you like to follow me, you can call Dude, me a rock and roll. He still looks. I swear he looks. Don't don't let him tell you differently. He looks. I only look every now and again. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me at Instagram, you can follow me at Rock and Roll Thirty Three on the old Instagram, or you can follow me as Tom Cody on Letterboxd.com. That's Letterbox. Tom Cody, Streets of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>